Hello and welcome to episode three of the Guy That Cooks podcast with me, Tom Merton. So episode three is being released early and this is because I've just finished recording it and I just had to share it with you straight away. It is with Marcus Petty-Saffon, who is part of the team behind Food Slut, along with Jack Whitehall and Barney Whitehall. Food Slut started out as an Instagram page and then turned up into a pop-up down at Provisioners in London. During this episode, we talk about Food Slut, where the idea came from, where the name came from as well, um, and it's just an incredible story. Um, the food on the page looks incredible. The food at the restaurant looks insane. Um, you have to, have to check it out and give them a follow. And if you're in London, get one of the burgers. If you're living in Notting Hill, get get a burger from uh, their Deliveroo. It's amazing. Um, they've also got a Christmas pop-up coming this weekend. So that is December the 11th to December the 13th. If you've got nothing to do this weekend... Go and book. Get yourself a Christmas dinner. You will not be disappointed. Um, During the episode, we also talk about Marx's food from a child. Turns out he's got a famous chef as an aunt. Um, And we also talk about food at university and a house party um, that they once had that I would have certainly liked to have been invited in to with the uh, food that was on offer. So here we go. This is episode three of the Guy That Cooks podcast. Right, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, before we go on to talking about Food Slut, um, a little bit about you. Where, What have you done before Food Slut? Have you worked in kitchens before or is this a sort of completely new thing for you? So this kind of thing is completely, completely new really. Um, I'm actually like a programmer. I like code apps and websites as kind of a day job. Um, and so that's kind of what I've been doing for a while. Um, I guess I've always kind of, I've actually have in theory worked at a restaurant before, like my first ever job. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure if this even counts, but like my first ever job coming out of school or not coming out of school, going while I was at school was, I was, I'm placed called Saffron in Essex. Um, and I was kind of the pot washer there. Um, and there was kind of a weird career progression um, of pot washers to chefs. Um, so basically you'd start as a pot, pot wash and then this the, and then there'd be someone usually someone I, I, I knew um, who was the kind of sous chef who would do the starters and desserts and then they would kind of go to university uh, and then you would kind of get get their job and become like the sous chef so I did kind of have I have actually in theory worked in a kitchen before um, it was, but there was only like two of us and and the pot wash in a very small kitchen. But so I guess I've like food on like this kind of kind of exp- hospitality industry kind of thing is completely new to me um, and have no real background in it. Um, so it's all been like a massive kind of learning curve. 
um and just kind of like this weird kind of adventure thing that we're just kind of seeing where it takes us um because we obviously had no plan for this to to be what it is and so we're kind of just going along with the flow at the moment so if, if it was sort of never planned how did it how did it come about what what sort of made you think let's do a pop-up let's let's start this so how it actually happened was during the first uh lockdown we'd just gone into lockdown and you know everyone was kind of like this is this is kind of new to everyone so i kind of i ran a chicken sandwich competition uh, for just basically all our friends um was like i just put it out on instagram so we got like a lot i don't didn't have don't really have that many followers so i've only got like a 1000 like 400 um so put it out on instagram like people to come up with the best chicken sandwich recipe um I, I managed to get some some like judges. So I got like uh, the guy that won MasterChef, Steve Groves. I got like Gemma Chan, the actress, um, the Taste Cadets. Uh, I got to Phil McHugh, uh, who's just uh, like kind of mini celebrity in Scotland, um, and a friend of mine who's a really amazing like chocolate chef. So I kind of got these judges together and just kind of just messaged them on like Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then just kind of put it out there. This must have been like the first or second week of lockdown. Um, and then, so everyone did it on this one day. Um, and sometimes it was amazing. It was actually quite fun. Like, like people kind of really enjoyed it. And um, it was, it kind of like, I got all, like, it took like two days, managed to get all the scores in. Um, and then Jack, uh, Jack had also entered as one of the entrants. And I was like, I really need, I really need like a good, uh, someone to kind of, um, what's, what's it called, to um, announce the winner. And so I was like, do you reckon we could like pull in a favour with someone? And then, and then he managed to, he messaged Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> um, so we got, we somehow got, and then it was a tie, all the judges were a tie. Um, and so he and so Andy Harriet was deciding uh, vote for who won the chicken sandwich competition. Um, and so we got this, he did an amazing video for us, um, basically announcing his favorite one. Um, so I guess that was the kind of first kind of food thing that, that kind of sparked, sparked everything. Um, I was living with Jack, Jack, Jack and Barney at the time in Notting Hill. And so we, we were kind of cooking quite a lot. Um, and like cooking quite extravagant recipes uh, because we kind of had the time, the time to do it. Um, and we were kind of like taking photos, like you're doing that thing that everyone does, kind of taking photos of it. Um, and then we were kind of watching Lord of the Rings after like we drank like quite a few whiskeys. And then I think it was Jan was just like, we should do this as an Instagram account and call it Food Slut. <laughs> um, and so that's how it kind of, that's how it kind of started wow. <laughs> the, the birth of food slut um it's a bit of a weird one because i guess it's because we've kind of always for as long as i can kind of remember with like my kind of like university kind of friends we've kind of referred to um slutty food like we've used it to describe kind of unhealthy kind of decadent food for kind of as long as i can remember um, so it kind of, and like we used to run a, when we were at uni, we used to run a comedy night called Comedy Sluts. So that, that kind of word, is, <laughs> the word has kind of followed us around a bit. Um, and it kind of, it, I think it, like obviously it, 
it's a slight, slightly tricky name, um, as you can imagine. But I think it kind of, it just, it works and describes what we're trying to do quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a bit tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? A bit tongue-in-cheek, a bit fun and sort of not something that you'd see on the high street as a name. It, it works, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it works. It's like, it causes problems, but I think that's why it's good. It's on the edge of kind of yeah. <laughs> being really controversial. So is that where sort of is that where you and you and Jack met and sort of started to to learn to cook together? Was that at university? Yeah, so yeah, we met, we were in the same hall, we were in Manchester together. Um and yeah, so I think our first our first halls, like we were in Owens Park, um, and we were kind of catered for, but the food was really really bad um and so we had these little he was kind of up and coming up and down like i would kind of usually just eat it because it was like i had like no money i couldn't like afford it but i guess he he was kind of earning a bit of money but um at the time but he was kind of gigging coming up and up and down towards london but he kind of wouldn't eat the canteen food (laughs) so i think he must have eaten it about like twice the whole time we were there for a year um but so we would kind of start we would cook like nicer meals in up in in the little university kind of kitchen things um so yeah i guess that's where we first started cooking cooking together wow and so wh- which lord of the rings film was it do you remember it was the first one because he was it? it was the first one yeah because he'd never watched he'd never watched it <laughs> and so we did the trilogy we, i think we did the trilogy that night <laughs> That is such a brilliant lockdown activity to do. I can just imagine there a massive plate of slutty food and Lord of the Rings and some whiskeys. Sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up with a business idea. <laughs> what better time to to do it? Um, so if you know, if people go onto the website and and see all the pictures of the of the incredible food that you've got up there, um, what made you decide to put the recipes on there so people can try them at home rather than sort of keeping them to yourselves? Well, I think it's one of those things that people kind of just, they want, they kind of want to see and they want, you see something online and you want to know how to make it. Um, Cause we kind of like watched, we did like, well, in, whilst in lockdown, we were like watching all these kind of cooking shows on YouTube. We like, we like some of the days we just, all we do is just like watch, watch cooking show after cooking show after cooking show. And we also made lots of the kind of recipes that, that you see. And it's, and it's sometimes quite annoying when you kind of, can't just read it read read the recipe and then I obviously have like my background in kind of tech so I can like it wasn't too difficult for me to kind of put that whole thing together um and put them online so it's like right whenever time whenever wherever we cook um we'll we'll put the recipe online and so people people can like kind of copy it and it's amazing when you see someone actually cook a dish that you you put up there it's like quite like a nice feeling yeah and so in the first time we i think it was the mcslut we made we we posted it one one breakfast and and then like like all that weekend we kept on getting all these uh instagrams of people who'd made that made the mcslut and we're like wow amazing <laughs> people are actually doing this. <laughs> was there ever a time where someone made it and then you sort of went wow they've actually made it look better than than i've done it oh yeah so so many times you see see some of the people there like there being some which are like that that looks awful, but some of them, some people, some people are such amazing, such good cooks. It's ridiculous. Like from the the burger competition that we did, because um, that was kind of like the first 
big kind of thing, kind of launched Food Slide in a way. Like we had, I think we had like 250 entries um, and then we made like, we made like quite a lot of money for the Felix projects. But some of the, I think that all the results actually, they're on the website at the moment. If you look through some of the burgers on there, they're like, there are some amazing cooks in, in, in the UK or and in the whole world basically. And like all these people are like, well, they were all basically just cooking burgers. They're not even professional chefs, they're just hobbyists. Yeah. Um, and they're just making these like amazing creations. So it's just like, just really impressive. Yeah. So, so how does it go from an Instagram page, you know, of, of you, Jack and Barney sort of cooking and sort of having a laugh to hang on, we've got, we've, we've got a pop-up coming. <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> So we'd obviously like built up a like kind of bit of a following from just kind of posting and obviously like we would have people like message us slide into our DMs and kind of go like blah 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 usually it's kind of like not that interesting and you kind of ignore it um, but then this girl um, Rachel she she who works who's a marketing manager for Visioners she like slid into our DMs and it was like, hey, and I was like, hey, would you be up for doing, um, would you be up for doing some kind of residency um, at Provisioners next month? Like burger, like a, a burger thing. And so I, like, I obviously forward it on to the guys and, and everyone's like, yeah, that sounds quite good. I was like, all right, send the rest back. Can you send me some more details? And then she kind of wrote this email saying like, you come up with a menu, uh, you'd have your chef come down and teach 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 our, their chefs how to cook it there's basically not really a risk for you but it can kind of show whether you can fill out a restaurant um and so we were like yeah okay let's do it and so so it kind of started because obviously we all went down one day um me jack and barney uh into visioners and kind of had a meeting with them um and they just kind of went through everything and we were like, sounds, it sounds great. Let's kind of, let's do it. We also have this problem. We're not chefs, um, which is, <laughs> we can, I think we kind of like know our way, our way around the kitchen, but at the end of the day, we're not professional chefs and we yeah. have no idea how to run a kitchen, how to even like make, like come up with kind of like a recipe or whatever. Um, and so, I think so we were like the first time we were like we we'll do a draft menu and we sat down we sat down and we sat down in the house and I'm just trying to come up we like wrote down a recipe like what we thought would look good on a menu um and it was things like steak diane um like avocado on toast it was just like a mishmash of everything um and we sh we showed a few people and they're like this, this menu makes no sense mm. and we're like all right we need to get i think we probably need to get like a professional chef to kind of help us out um and fortunately there, there's a guy who's who who um who is a professional chef his name's b-box food tom bateman um he'd been he's kind of been really helpful since the like the early early days of food slot where he kind of send give us a photo with a recipe that we'd put up on our website um and it's just been like very engaging and like just been he's really nice and also is an incredible chef so i kind of reached out to him and was like would you be up for kind of come up with a menu slutty food it's going to be at this place 
Um, and then he basically did it and came up with this like incredible menu. Um, and we used elements from the DIY burger kits um, that we'd done before. So we, that was our kind of flagship vegan and, um, sorry, vegan and beef burger. Uh, we kind of kept those two as the, our burgers because people, people who kind of tried them for and we had like good feedback from them um so we thought we'd, we'd kind of keep those and then he kind of did the, all that kind of starters um, the nashville hot chicken and the desserts um came down to london and i was like have you never ever met this guy quite like catfish <laughs> so i was like hey um but uh, yeah so he came down we did, we got all that kind of the filming done um and yeah we ended up with this menu in <laughs> this residency which which lasted six weeks um so yeah that's how that's how we kind of got there it's literally someone sliding into our dms wow that's incredible so did, did um did provisioners uh give you some chefs as well to work alongside tom or was he yes. did he have to get his own so provisioners had they have their they had their chefs that work at the hotel um but they only usually open up the small courtroom bar element at the hotel, so they only really have like one chef working. Um, so they basically had to hire or get a load of kind of rehire, because I think some of them have been on furlough, um, rehire all these chefs um, to kind of, to kind of, to deliver the menu, because we were basically, we were fully booked every single night. It was like, mm -hmm. you couldn't really get a table. And so that restaurant had gone from literally serving hardly any covers to being like 120, 130 covers a night. Um, and so I think, imagine the kitchen must have been pretty manic and they, they, they definitely weren't used to <laughs> that sort of numbers. Like I saw Tiziana, the chef, after the first night and she looked like exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they, they work so hard. Ooh, yeah. like, it's incredible how hard the chefs work. And like, and like they don't get like, they're up early like home late and they're like it's like going into war every day yeah. like, that's it they don't they don't just turn up and cook do they they have to do all the prep it's everything from sort of the early as you say the early morning until everywhere is spotless that they can leave uh, yeah. I, I could never do it it's <laughs> no i couldn't do it either and it's kind of like dog eat dog as well and they're really like high-end kitchens they're like if you if you wanted to borrow someone's knife they wouldn't let you no amazing <laughs> Incredible. Um, we'll we'll go back onto to food slot a little bit later and sort of talk about what's uh, what's in the near future for it. But I want to sort yeah. of know about your um, history with with food and what food means to you. So, if we go back to sort of when you were a child, what um, what was food like? Were, you, were your family good cooks? Uh, was there any sort of specific meals that you'd have sort of every day? Um, so yeah, my family actually are all, they're, they're both like my mum and dad are both very good cooks. Um, my dad's actually Cambodian. Um, so there's like a kind of heavy Asian kind of influence, um, that you kind of eat was growing up Well, my mum is kind of like more kind of traditional loves, like the kind of loves like a magazine recipe. My aunt actually is quite a, a famous Cambodian cook. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, she, I might have a hair. Yeah. She has, um, a cookbook. Um, it's called the Elephant Walk. Um, oh, that looks unreal! And so, and so, yeah, it's amazing. She she lives in uh, America. Uh, she's well, they basically obviously because of the genocide that happened in Cambodia, the whole family kind of got spread 
spread out all over the world. Um, and th that she ended up in, in America and they opened up um, these restaurants in, in Boston. Um, and she's kind of the go-to person now for Cambodian cooking. Um, like this is probably the most well-respected Cambodian book because there, there aren't really many Cambodian cook, cookbooks really just because almost a generation got lost um, because of the genocide. Um, so I guess I was, we'd, whenever we go to America, we'd go, we'd eat at those restaurants. And I think some of the, my dad's other sisters, they, some of them ended up in France. They had like left much less successful restaurants um, in the South of France. Um, so I, I guess there is a kind of, there is a like kind of link, family link between food, even though not like not direct, like ni neither my mum and my dad have ever really been involved in food professionally, but they're, they're like, I've always ate very well at home. Um, so yeah, so I kind of, what would like for a Cambodian dish, I guess, which we would eat quite a lot is, a thing called nata, which is enna, it's um, ground pork, garlic, coconut milk, uh, and like paprika, and that's it. And then you'd have it with fried bread or like fried rice, and it's it's delicious. Um, yeah, it sounds incredible. Uh, yeah, I know it, it is good. Um, and then what I was like, I can't remember what, what was the other what were the other question. Um, just sort of what sort of uh, dishes did you have? Was there a sort of like a, a set thing that you'd have every week, or was it all quite varied? It, no, it would, it would all be kind of mix up completely. So you'd eat from like spaghetti bolognese to like noodles to, to like you pretty much always have a roast on the Sunday. Mm. Like Sunday, like on the weekends, like a lot of like my mum would spend a lot of time kind of cooking. Um, and every day we would kind of eat well, like we like because we live in kind of like rural Essex. There wasn't like a huge amount of takeaways. Um, we'd only really get Indian takeaway if we ever got it. Um, I would obviously go have kebabs after school, but um, <laughs> like everyone did. Um, but yeah, there was like not much, not not yeah, not too much takeaways at all really. Um, my dad basically doesn't really like. He, like any kind of restaurant <laughs> he doesn't really like a scene rest a scene restaurant or a restaurant which is like expensive yeah i think we went to hackersan for what like, i wanted to go to hackersan on my birthday and he refused to eat um because it was overpriced which it is to be fair um and he said that he could make it better at home um uh, which i'm not i'm not quite sure is true um did you cook a lot yeah. with them um I guess I did for a, a bit, but then obviously I became a lazy teenager and then didn't. Yeah. Um, and so like now, it's only really now as I've kind of got older that I will now kind of cook things more more at home than I used to, because usually you kind of get home and you're just like, I can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have an interest, but you're also also interested in watching the football. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, so move, moving away from sort of family uh, food at school, what were school dinners like for you? Were they were they good? Obviously, sometimes have a kebab after after school. But what was the actual school dinner like? So I remember, like, like second primary school was just kind of your standard awful kind of um school dinners which i can't you can't really remember that i used no. to just kind of eat it and whatever i don't remember hating them i don't also don't remember loving them 
Um, and then in secondary school, I used to, it's weird, I used to get given like two pounds money for my lunch, two pound 40, 40p for the bus and then two pounds for lunch every day at school. And I used to somehow just survive off a sausage roll and a panda pop every day and then just kind of pocket the money. So that, I remember I must've done that for years and years and years. But then um, I remember it quite clearly because do you remember when Jamie Oliver did his school meals thing? So Jamie Oliver is from our area in Essex. Right. Uh, and so we were kind of one of the first schools to kind of take up his kind of healthy eating kind of vibe. And so I just remember all like the burgers went, the panda pops went, and then they were replaced, replaced with like pasta pots and, um, and like Mexican wraps. <laughs> so I remember it very clearly when the, when the school dinners went from being really like unhealthy burger stuff to being Jamie Oliver-fied. <laughs> I mean, cravings um, for sausage rolls at, at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so then we sort of uh, we go away, and then you go to university. You sort of say that you, you know, a lot of the food was was prepared for you. But so yeah. when you did cook, was it um, sort of you know burgers and things, or was it you know just something that you can whack in a microwave or did you start to explain is that when you started to learn that that you could cook yourself and cook well yeah I guess so so it was more in the second year when we kind of moved into a shared house together with that we were kind of five like five guys who kind of in theory we'd never really lived lived away from home your classic uni thing and that's, I guess, where we first started to kind of explore kind of cooking. And so usually I was out of like the five guys, Jack was kind of away a lot. Um, so I was, I was usually on me to kind of do the kind of big cookings. And we'd have like lots of people over for like a murder mystery. I remember like I cooked like a moussaka for like, for like, th- like 20 people. Um, and so, yeah, that was where we, because we had a, like a big same by our road. So, that's where you could kind of like start experimenting with kind of different ideas, different recipes. Um, and then there's obviously there's a heavy kind of Indian influence in like Moss side. And then one of our good friends is from Malaysia. So he would kind of like, we'd all kind of like pitch in and cook together. So, but, and we, I guess we'd all kind of like bond over food and eating. Um, and it's always kind of like a big part of your life. You'd still obviously do your kebabs and you have your takeaways. But you, we, I definitely felt we ate better than most students did um, whilst we were at university. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was just a nice thing to do. You have lots of time. And I'm kind of glad, glad that we, like, we did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also some complete disasters. But <laughs> I, I was going to say, do, was gonna... what, what is, your, is your biggest cooking disaster? Has that happened when you were at uni? Or has that happened since then? I mean, there's been some, there's been a lot of like, you know, your kind of classic, classic, disa- classic kind of food disaster. I remember like Freddie, Freddie, one of the guys I lived with was like, he made a toasty with, with like a, you know, like a rugby sock or something like that. It was awful. Um, there was one, actually, I remember the first, the first weekend that we moved into, or moved, moved into our house in Manchester. Um, we were like, all all like really keen. We're like, right let's go and get to know our neighbors so we we um we're like we're going to throw like a dinner party for our neighbors invite them all around um and so like jack and i spent like ages make, making these like little blini canape- canapes 
and like really quite extravagant things for kind of for students um and then freddie i mean we're going out and like we only had a certain amount of invites and he was basically going around the houses looking 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 for houses which might have girls in them because <laughs> we i was like oh they look like they might have they might have hot girls in that house so he'd send them like an invite that we like printed out um <laughs> so we sent sent these all these invites to our neighbors assuming we're going to have like a load of like hot hot girls come and turn up and we'd made like these these huge platters and then I think it was like, so the, the one, one house turned out, so like a lovely group of girls from kind of from uh, Bridge End in Wales. And then the second house that knocked up, um, that's like some kind of like middle-aged women who were quite rough and at like, in terms of like, and they were, they were like, they were like, hello? And they're like, yeah, you invited, and they were, they, you invited us around to your house for a Christmas party. I was like, oh, you did? Yep, we did. Turns out there was a halfway house um across the street from us so they just obviously just come out of prison <laughs> and we're like we obviously couldn't say no you can't like yeah. you can't come in so we kind of invited these kind of ex kind of convicts into our into our put them into our like kind of dining room and serving them with like um salmon canapé blinis we <laughs> um, <laughs> also love the um, fact that it, it's an idea of you know all these all these units and saying oh we're going to a house party tonight and turning up with a bottle of Smirnoff and Frosty Jacks and it's just a load of salmon bellinis. <laughs> salmon bellinis, yeah. <laughs> That's my kind of party, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> love well, everyone loves a canopy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you, uh, when, when you were preparing uh, the dishes during uh, lockdown and things, were there any cooking disasters then? Was there anything you, you tried and you just went, that is disgusting? Or was everything sort of quite good? Everything we kind of made was like I'm I can't think of anything which we had which was like 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 awful at all. We ate so well. We had like one we had one uh, moment with where we made this lobster um, we made lobster rolls one day. Um, really li really living on the bread line, um, but we had to obviously kill the lobsters ourselves, which is quite like a distressing. Yeah. Um, thing if you've ever done it because you have to because we were like you've got two ways of doing it you have the boiling pot throw them in and then run upstairs and pretend that they're not suffering or the humane way which is you have to get this knife and crush them crush them in the head and basically just kind of rip it down um but it's quite harrowing because you kind of have you and so we ended up doing it um but then you kind of like but then they're like you bring the next one up and their mates just there with their head like all over the place so you feel like you're just like literally going to like going to their deaths <laughs> and so we kind of did we did that and then obviously we made the lobster rolls and put the lobsters in the bin but we didn't realize like <laughs> the smell from the next day the smell from the lobsters in the bin is one of the most disgusting things i've ever smelled in my life we were like retching around the house it was like, it was so bad. We couldn't, we literally, we all just had to run out. <laughs> and literally were like, how are we going to deal with this bin? It smells so bad. <laughs> and like, we're like gagging outside. Cause the whole house, made the whole house smell. Um, who, uh, who bit the bullet and, and pulled the short straw and had to take it out? 
It was it was Barney actually. Was uh, Barney did it. And he was like basically gagging while I was going outside. I was like, those poor bin men are gonna are literally gonna like try and take the bin out and they're not gonna realise what's what's happened. Oh, nightmare. It was really hot as well, wasn't it? So I can just imagine like really then. Oh, is... And we have now we have a WhatsApp group called Lob- Lobster Bin. <laughs> 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 Just because it was just such a harrowing experience. And if you Google like lobster, if you Google it in, um, if you type in like lobster, lobster shells in the bin, you see all these people that have this problem with this like awful smell. <laughs> they taste good though, were they? Did you do Oh, them? they tasted amazing. Like, absolutely incredible. You have like, there's two ways of doing it. There's a Cincinnati style, which is just butter. And there's some more New England style, which is kind of like with mayo and like your your chives and they were that that was like there that was one of the first dishes that we made in Lobs, uh, on it. We actually haven't put them on the website actually. That's one one we've been keeping in the bank. <laughs> you <laughs> so should, you should call the dish bin. lobster bin as well. <laughs> lobster bin, yeah, yeah, right. Very good idea. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to use that. <laughs> did you do you find that a lot of your cooking is sort of um, got that American style to it, or or not? Yeah, I think so. I think mainly because we watch so many American cooking shows, and like, and the Americans do slutty food so well, and there there are so many kind of regional, kind of every kind of region has like an odd twist on some kind of dish, like for example, like a chop the Harlem chopped cheese, and like all these amazing sandwiches, which is so good. Um, and so we kind of grab you watch these shows and you're like oh my god that looks so good and so slutty that you're you're kind of drawn towards it um and so you kind of have it without kind of realizing it you do get this american over the top kind of style some of the things are quite hard to get in this like everyone says american you can't get lots of things in america but some of the things you like that like for a sub role for example you can't really get them in mm. in england those like chewy sub um, loaves well they're very hard to find if you can so, and that and like a potato bun for a burger the only place you can really get them is Shake Shack um, and so yeah there's definitely a heavy influence towards that kind of unhealthy well they just do unhealthy so well don't they yeah <laughs> is that a, is a is a trip over to the states on the cards then for you know in the future just for research purposes to <laughs> go to all these we, different we states keep, we keep on saying that we need to do like a food start road trip of just us going around, just eating like that really, really slutty food all, all around America. And it will literally be the most enjoyable thing ever. We, yeah. We'll all put on about literally like every time I go to America, even if I'm going to somewhere like LA, I put on like about two stone because it's just so hard to eat. Even the salad has about 1,500 calories in it. Yeah. But it all tastes um, so, I think so you just good. Kind of have to, yeah. Well, you just have to embrace it, I think. And then just, just like you're gonna get fat when you're on this trip, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go to all like the rand, like the deep south. I'd love to do. There's like there's so many, all these little random states will all have these kind of regional deli- delicacies, which I think like we just would lo- love to go to because they all put a twang on something like different. Like like for example, the Nashville hot chicken. Like not many people have really heard of it in London, but. Over there, it's like this huge, big thing, which is like delicious. I've never really had it properly. I've only had it when we've made it at Food Start or at home. Um, so yeah, the, the food's definitely next. Basically, when this lockdown ends and we can kind of travel again, that's definitely and maybe a Food Start kind of 
does go down a certain route, then then yeah, we would love to love to go on some kind of trip somewhere. <laughs> That'd be amazing. So just just explain to to everyone because I've seen the pictures of the the Nashville chicken, but just because it looks unreal, what what is it? So it's basically, it's just it is essentially just fried chicken, which has either been brined or put in buttermilk for like twenty four hours. And then what they do is that they have um, so it's just fried chicken, and then at the end they have this hot oil, um, which is basically cayenne um, and like brown sugar, essentially are the two main ingredients. And then it depends on how much cayenne they put in as to how spicy it goes, spicy you want it. We only put I think like two or three. But some of the places in Nashville, they put like eight, like eight teaspoons of cayenne, and it's like your your mouth is like burning. But when you have it, it's weird because it has the, the sweet hot thing. It kind of it doesn't actually feel if, as long as you don't overdo it. It doesn't actually feel like too spicy. Yeah. Um, and it actually has like flavour because I feel sometimes with spicy food you can just when it's just like pure chili you can just get lost with like just the pure heat, can't you? Yeah, I I, I I agree. I quite like spicy food, but then I see some people or, that have already got spicy food and then put in sort of extra chilies on, and I sort of just go, you're not actually going to be able to taste anything other than just heat. Like, it's it's yeah. not going to be that enjoyable. <laughs> no, I know, exactly. And it gets to the point, it's like, this isn't enjoyable. You want kind of flavour um, that comes with it. And that's why I think the sugar, the brown sugar just works so well with it. Um and so yeah, I was like, I love Nashville. I literally, I, I was meant to go actually a few years ago, but that trip got canned. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, next year then, hopefully, you know, once once uh, we've got a new president in and a vaccine has been given to everyone, you can <laughs> head over there. <laughs> um, what are you What are you most proud of cooking? Um, I'd probably say we do every year apart from this year is we do a big christmas uh dinner for our friends um and so it's start, something that started off as like a six person thing has kind of got more and more extravagant um and bigger and so by i think uh, like last year we we did like a christmas we cooked a christmas roast for about like 60 people in 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 jack's flat um and so that is just that's got like a real like kind of effort like the turkeys go in the bath to brine um and like there's like it's basically you're, you're full-on cooking for like the whole afternoon and like when you're kind of that's when you get like a real sense of achievement is like when you've kind of cooked for that many people um and it's like prep 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 um and at the end of it you get to have like a massive party as well yeah um, which is so it's kind of it's it feels like you're rewarded so after all this like hard work you do everything and then you get to have a big party it's kind of then it's kind of all worth it it's like that party's saying of- thank you to you isn't it everyone's throwing you a party <laughs> <laughs> yeah no definitely <laughs> but i find something when you're cooking or just you're not by the end of it you're like even if you've been cooking all day you're just not you're not hungry when it, by the time it gets to dinner. No. <laughs> so you literally spend cooking for all these people and then you just don't eat. <laughs> and you're just getting, and you're just getting really more and more drunk as the, as the, as the day goes on. Yeah. Especially cause I, I, you know, as you are cooking, you're tasting stuff to make sure it's all right. 
so then when it you know as you say when you're done you're actually like well i don't know if i'm full or i've just lost my appetite completely yeah yeah and also there's also this he has this one really annoying oven which will just randomly turn on turn off or you have to press a button every time you open the door so like you have like one turkey in one the other turkey in the other and then you've obviously forgotten to press the button then you're like why is that turkey not cooked and that one is it's a rare turkey for you it's a new thing yeah um how, how do you do your roast potatoes speaking of christmas dinner um, so actually what I've, what I've actually just done recently is it's, it's a bit more effort. So you basically, you boil, parboil them 10 minutes and then you take them out and then you put them in the freezer for an hour. Uh, cause that draws out moisture. And then you put the, then you put them in uh, duck fat or goose fat, uh, on one twenty, and you basically turn and then cover them in oil and then you cook them on a low temperature for about, for about half an hour. And then they go back into the freezer again for about 20 minutes. And then they go, and then they go on for at 200 for 45 minutes and they turn out incredible. Wow. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, it's a, definitely a bit more effort, but it's like, I literally just did this for the first time the other day and it was amazing. And so oh, I think now it's my kind of go-to, my go-to recipe. Um, there's actually the foods, the guy who did the foods that rest, uh, recipe for uh, recipes, Tom Bateman. It was his thing that I saw on his Instagram. So I gave him the try. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. I'm going to try that this Sunday. Um, that's, yeah. that's what's happening. <laughs> Look forward to that. I'll have to empty the freezer completely. And my mum will be like, what's all this veg, frozen veg doing? And I'm like, no, it's for the potatoes. Um, <laughs> well, it's crispy. They're basically like chips, basically, which is, like, which is what you kind of want from a roast potato. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want a soggy soggy roast potato or just not crispy enough i think it's i think it's hard to get a roast potato right in my opinion well and i find it when you have them out they're never good i've never had a good roast potato out no no so if <laughs> anyone so knows anywhere any that anyone knows anywhere that does a nice roast potato please do let us know and <laughs> can go down and have it i'll travel for it i don't mind well, yeah no same <laughs> um what is your what's your favorite food of all time is there a specific dish or is is there sort of lots of different things that you like my favorite food of all all time it's quite a tricky one because it's completely dependent on what kind of mood you're in i'm i'm generally a meat kind of eating person um so i kind of i really like kind of slow slow cooked meats and like 10 beef so obviously beef i absolutely love uh, like a steak you can't really beat um i did an amazing one the other day a reverse sear um bone in ribeye um which is actually on the food stuff thing that was incredible um i love like this like, so last year i ate i've ate some i went to japan um uh on holiday and some of the food there is like out out this world um i had this like wagyu beef sando and it was one of the nicest things i've ever eaten in my life <laughs> um, uh, it just kind of just melts in your mouth um so like yeah i don't say i have like a, a favorite food as such that i would kind of i have certain go-to's in depending on certain situations yeah um but yeah, I don't think I could give you just like one st straight out, straight out the park. It all depends on the mood. Yeah, that's that's sort of I completely get that. It's 
I think that that is the thing about food, isn't it? Sort of, it's it completely depends on what mood you're in, sort of what you want to eat that night, doesn't it? You can't just sort of, you can't be in a you know a bad mood and want a salad. It just doesn't. Yeah, doesn't no, work. yeah. <laughs> yeah, same as thing. You can't be hungover and want as a general is like a nice light salad. Yeah, no, it could be the best like, salad in the world, but it won't be nice yeah. to you on that day. <laughs> Um, and even in Japan, in Japan, you have things, for, you have sushi for breakfast is the thing. And you're like, I'm not sure if I really want like raw fish breakfast. <laughs> I'll pass on that. But I do want to try Wagyu beef. I've never tried it. So I go for the beef, but not sushi for breakfast. <laughs> um, do you, if you don't, if you don't sort of have a, a particular favorite food, is there any food that you cannot stand or is there an ingredient that you can't stand? Yeah, there's only one really. I'm pretty good with most things. And there's liver. I've just never, ever been managed to, to get on board with. Like, I've, I, I just, the texture of it is just like, not very, not very nice. Actually, when I first worked at this restaurant in, in Essex, when I was a pot wash, my, the, the sous chef, who was my friend, would always joke to the owner he'd have cloves on the on the menu he always joked to the lonely that mark that i marcus loved liver <laughs> and so he would make me liver basically every <laughs> end of every service <laughs> and i would have to put it in my mouth pretend to eat it when he wasn't looking take it out and put it in the bin and then just go like mm, yeah i love liver <laughs> um, so, so liver is uh, one thing i don't it's quite un, an unpopular opinion i don't particularly like avocado either like i don't i don't I don't mind it, but I don't love it when everyone goes on about it. Um, I don't quite see avocado by itself as a, a particularly nice food. No, I completely agree. I cannot stand <laughs> it. And then when I see people ordering, like I went out uh, when I was down in London. We went. Uh, it was before Derby played Wembley. Uh, went to Wembley last year actually in the playoff final, and me and my mate oh, yeah, went. Poor. And I had I had a fry up, and he had avocado on toast. And I was like, mate, what are you doing? We're about to have a day on the beers and you're eating that vile green. I don't know if it's a fruit Slime. or what it is. Yeah, it's not for me. But I like guacamole. Yeah. I just don't like. Yeah, no, I think it's when it has other stuff with it, I don't mind it. But when it's by itself, I'm like, there's nothing enjoyable about this dish at all. No. It's just like slimy, not very nice. Yeah. And then I never know if it's ripe or not as well. Like... <laughs> we end up just feeling everyone's feeling the, the, yeah. the, like the avocados all, all around the supermarket <laughs> making them in brown inside yeah no that's not I, I agree with both of them cannot stand yeah avocado or whatever and it's kidney as well some people like like can't yeah i think that kind of awfully stuff i'm like it is a bit it is not it's not great um sometimes if they do it really well and they can kind of hide the fact that it, it is what it is then it's fine but then you're kind of hiding hiding the raw ingredient yeah if it's a surprise and i don't know what the surprise is then maybe but well yeah. st john's do it very well they're like you can you can eat it there but it's because it doesn't taste of like liver right like, it's kind of awfully stuff but they've managed to make it taste really nice so but then you're also paying like you're paying like paying quite a lot of money for it so it's like yeah. you kind of expect it no, yeah, just season it till it's completely got any flavour is gone. That's maybe I'll go for it, but not for now. Um, do you have a, a favourite takeaway um, 
at all was there anywhere that you that you used quite a lot in in lockdown or were you just doing it all yourself I, to be honest i'm i'm pizza if i get takeaway i'm pizza pretty much every single time because it's just one it's really nice <laughs> and two it travels well like everything about it is good and even if you're not no matter how bad you're feeling and usually i'd kind of get it when i'm hungover you never it's never going to go down like the wrong way yeah um <laughs> so you can't really get sometimes i'm like like for example like if you get like a noodle noodles or like a ramen or something you get it it travels terribly um and it's just not very nice um but by the time you get it or a burger can start, i've completely went off five guys after ordering a burger like like kind of hungover um i wouldn't be able to eat it again mm. um so i always always will go pizza pretty much like nine times out of ten if i'm getting takeaway i'll get a pizza what um what topping would you have Thomas, i i'm i really like anchovies i like ha- like like the ham mushroom anchovy pizza I quite like, I quite like, do you know what I've come round to is the margarita, um, mm. like a plain old margarita or something. I'm kind of just, I think a good pizza place is like, you're basically judged on by your margarita. Mm. Um, but then you can, I can be a complete slut for a pepperoni because yeah. you're just like, you just know it's going to get a taste good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Definitely, yes. I agree. And sweet corn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, anything like that. I, I think anything belongs on a pizza, to be honest. Um, I don't get people's absolute disgust at, at when they yeah. see a ham and pineapple pizza. There's something... And they're quite time. like a barbecue, a barbecue base as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All the things that everyone else hates, I seem to really like on pizza. Um, yeah. My brother, he if, if ever we get a pizza, um, like he won't... He'll say, "Well, if if you're having barbecue base, then you're not coming round. Um, you can you can have a pepperoni <laughs> or or nothing." So, All right, okay, <laughs> pepperoni. Um, uh, it's but yeah. they, they hardly use any barbecue sauce. When I've still to make it, they literally it's just like a squiggle, and it somehow makes the whole thing taste really nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> that shocked me when I saw them getting made. <laughs> I've ne- no, I've never seen them being. I might have to YouTube that and, and it, have it's a literally, look. It's literally just a. It's literally just a. I actually did one chef. One I forgot. I, I have done one shift as a pizza chef before, <laughs> um, <laughs> because my our friend owns um, Forest Road Brewery, and they had a pizza um, guy in um, who was a who was was a pizza chef, and he would kind of do everything, and I kind of wanted to learn how to do it. And so, and then he had to, he couldn't um, work one, one Friday night. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I, I technically have work. I worked that one, one Friday and I did about 10 pizzas, which didn't turn out terribly. Um, There's loads of cooking experience then. One pizza shift and a, a Christmas dinner for 60 yeah. people. Open two yeah, restaurants. <laughs> um, yeah. What, um, so you know we, we've we've talked about pizza. Is that your comfort food for a, a bad day or a, a hangover? Then, or do you have a specific thing that you you go to? Yeah, I think it's pretty much always. I think pizza is the kind of go to. I went. I got some ramen the other day um, when I was really hungover after a provisionist thing, 
and it went down completely the wrong way and I was kind of eating it and you know you're like I need to get out and I need to kind of this, all this li liquid just kind of and it was quite like a like a heavy it was a tonkatsu one which is like a really like pork brothy quite like fatty one yeah and it just like kind of sat in my stomach and I just remember you know you're really uncomfortable and I was like my friend was like we were sitting opposite each other and I was like really wanted just all I wanted to do was go home and just lie in bed and just like be hung over <laughs> and I just felt like really sick with this like heavy pork broth just sitting in my stomach <laughs> oh, um it, do you have, do you have a favorite place to eat out sort of now lockdown's been restricted is there is there somewhere that you went to straight away or is there somewhere you you want to go uh I haven't really this like I've eaten like haven't really properly got I've eaten at a few like restaurants but like none of like my faves, my fave probably at the moment is I really like Perilla in Newington Green, um, which is kind of like British kind of British cooking. Uh, I a friend of mine used to work there. Um, I kind of, I like places which are kind of not too expensive and kind of good food, but kind of good, good value for money is kind of my, that's kind of where I like to kind of hit if I can. I've eaten at a lot of like sandwich places. Um, I literally had just had an amazing one today um, from Sons and Daughters in, in King's Cross. Um, and they, their Christmas sandwich is incredible. Really? <laughs> I've, had it I've, had it, I've had it now twice in, in had, it, had it on Saturday and I've had it again today. <laughs> it's that you good. You can't beat a good sandwich though, I don't think. You really can't. Um, like it's a good sandwich is so so like there are some amazing ones in london there's a have you ever eaten at Deanie's? it's just they do a haggis oh, toasty yeah. haddis and cheese toasty with bacon caramelized onion and rocket and english mustard and it is out of this world like i think it's like one of my one of my favorite sandwiches i've ever eaten i might have to try that next time i'm down then i uh i may have to go there and, and try out one of the sandwiches just yeah, so nice. They're on Broadway Market on a Saturday. Perfect. And I'll it, make sure I'm down very, for a weekend. Very slutty. I think they actually have a cafe in Leighton, but um, it's Leighton's a bit far away. It's a real, it's a real mission if you're going for. No, I'd like a sandwich, but I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> for... <laughs> um. <laughs> so just you know, um, actually, I've got to say, is that you know, you say that you want to you prefer to eat out at sort of good value for money. Do you think that's something that you've sort of inherited from your, from your dad? Um, I guess I wouldn't say I've inherited it from my dad because he's like super picky. <laughs> like, and like, it's not to say I do definitely go to some quite, ex quite expensive restaurants as well. And they're very good. Um, so I definitely haven't inherited like the being the massive cheapskate that he is. Um, but I just, do you know, you know, sometimes when you're like, we ate at this restaurant, um, which is, I don't want to say their name, but it was like 300, 300 quid a head. And we were, we, at the end of it, we were still hungry. We ended up going to, we ended up going, having to get chips and like bites after mm -hmm. on spending 300 quid per person on this meal. Um, <laughs> and so when you're like that, you're like, this is just, the food was good, but it just yeah. wasn't, it was not worth the money. And so, yeah, when you get, when you go to places like that, you're just like, it's not, 
it's not worth it. <laughs> was that was it a taster menu or was it just like a? Yeah, it was a, t- it was a chef's table, um, and then they would just come round, and then you get like little plates, and there was only probably about 10, 11, yeah. 10, 11 plates, and it was good, but it was like it wasn't three hundred pounds good. Yeah, um, yeah. Just because it's a taster menu doesn't mean that you can't fill me up. Yeah, no, exactly. And then you can go to like, there was like Restaurant Story, which I've been to. I had the taster menu there. You, you leave full. It's an amazing experience. And and you're like, oh, that was like worth, that was worth the money. Yeah. Um, and it was like, because I guess cooking is kind of an experience. You're going there for the experience. And it, with that kind of menu, you want it to be an amazing experience. And <laughs> if you're paying 300 pounds, we got, we, got to, we got told to get there at 5.30. And then we were kicked out by seven seven thirty, and we kind of thought we—if you get there that early—we thought we would be able to stay there for the whole evening, like yeah. the whole thing would last four hours. But then, like the thing ended at at seven thirty, we're like, "Cool, what do we do now?" Go to Weatherspoons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of of you know the the experience of a restaurant, which is something I completely agree with. Um, What's the sort of, this is going back to, to Food Slut now, what's the experience there that you want, um, you know, your your guests and, and your customers to feel? What's the sort of the service like? What's the sort of the approach of the service and, and the whole experience? Uh, I guess so. We kind of, the, the whole thing is uh, we want it to be a fun atmosphere where you're kind of, you're eating food with, with friends, which is obviously a bit difficult at the moment. But like obviously the first the first few weeks we had loads of big groups. It's kind of comfort food that you know you're going in there knowing that you're going to eat stuff which is not it's not put on you're not going to put on my fitness pal whatever you call it. Um, and but it's going to be it's going to be tasty um, and indulgent and it's kind of the antithesis of uh, these kind of salad salad bars and like. And like this kind of healthy eating. So it's kind of, we've gone the different way to how, I guess you can see the world's going with these kind mm. of dairy-free vegan options. We're the antithesis of that. Um, <laughs> but the food is kind of tasty. Um, yeah. And so we basically just want, number one, you kind of like, you die by the quality of your food. So like we've got, the, we do have these burgers at the moment, which we're doing at Deliveroo, but only in Notting Hill. And we think we have a very good product there because um, it's kind of slutty. There is like, it's messy. Um, like we, we haven't skimped on things, but it's also tasty because you can go two ways. You can go completely over the top, but there's no point because you want the food to kind of taste good. Yeah. So it's trying to strike like a, a balance um, of slutty food, but also really tasty food is like, the dream goal of where to get to with these kind of restaurant things, pop-up things. <laughs> Great. So, so that's the food. What's the, uh, cause this is important for me. What's, what's the beer like and, and the alcohol and, and things like that? Well, the beer is actually very like there. The beer is by forest road, who is basically our friend who owns a brewery. So we're on the exclusive with them. Amazing. <laughs> um, because he was like, we, they they tried to put Peroni in because it was cheaper, and we're like, you can't put Peroni in because Pete will kill us um, <laughs> if if we have Peroni on tap and not Forest Road. <laughs> um, so you should check out their their beers is really really good. The guy basically 
started it, uh, we lived in a shared house, um, like when we kind of first came out of, like when we were like 24, 25, 26, and this random American moved uh, into our house who was a brewer. And he started, we lived on a road called Forest Road. And he stopped, we started brewing in our garden. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, I'm like, so we were there when it first started and he brewed this beer called Work, um, which we did, we brewed it in our garden and then we lived next door to a pub. Um, and then the pub would put it or put it on tap for us, for us to do like tastings with our friends. Um, and then now it's kind of evolved, evolved, evolved and got bigger and bigger and bigger. So he's now got a brewery. Yet the tanks just went in today um, for this uh, brewery he's opening up in Bermondsey, which is going to be like a big, really like probably one of the big, one of the biggest in in London, one of the biggest independent craft breweries anyway in London. Um, so Pete does all the beer for Soho House, um, and yeah, it's 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 very good. Work is the one that one that I'm kind of. I, which is the IPA that I have like the closest affinity to yeah. um, because I was there when we brewed the first batch. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the beer, the spirits also, I just kind of, we got, we got a lot of freebies in for the spirits. Um, so I think we got given some, but I'm less involved with the spirits. So I think more involved in the beer, the beer things. Yeah. I think we just kind of had your standard kind of cocktails. Um, but yeah, people, people all left, drunk which is i guess a good thing that's always <laughs> positive and and you know with with it being a, a, a mate of yours that you know supplies the beer as well that also adds to that whole experience thing doesn't it that you you want to create there that you know you lot are all a bunch of mates that have created this thing and it's somewhere for you and your group of mates to come and sort of you get that atmosphere it's not you know it's not corporate it's not there it's come here have fun drink drinks a beer that means a lot to us eat food that also means a lot to us and share that experience together i think yeah well definitely because the drinks mate it's so important they're like the main they are a bit huge part of part of the real and realistically if you come to food site you're not going to be you're not going to be drinking really expensive bottles of uh, like red wine you're going to be having beers or you're going to be having cocktails and yeah. so as long as those two things are made really well uh, and you have like decent wine and which is priced at a reasonable level then it kind of adds to the experience and then i guess you are when we're developing the menu we want to put our own twist on it and i guess because we are all kind of involved in forest road it kind of gives your personality to the restaurant. So I guess in a weird way, it's, it's an extension of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, is what you're trying to, you're trying to put, even like, even like with the music, it's so important in a restaurant because like the first, the first weekend we were there, it was literally like lift music. And we were like, what the hell is going on? It's so bad. And it completely changes the atmosphere of like, of of the room like the music is crazy so we got we got like our friend to kind of put a playlist and then because you have to do it was a weird one because you they, they can't they have a weird they had a weird music system so they get piped into the room at certain times so we had no control of what came on when so sometimes we would have like quite like intense dance music coming on at like the brunch service <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you have all these people just like kind of like raving in their chairs um, uh, but yeah the music is, is such I didn't realize how important it was until after as soon as it changed it like completely changed 
the atmosphere of the room. Um, so what's the future <laughs> for Food Slot? Where, where do we go from, from now? So basically our, our plan, like we're, it's been a bit of a weird one because we, we're still trying to work out what we want to do with it. And we, we have these conversations. Um, but realistically, where our strengths lie is in content, not in running restaurants. Um, and so we're going to kind of focus next year, I think, we're going to focus our attentions on creating better content. Um, so I think we're going to be launching a YouTube channel. Um, so we basically want to do, it, won't, it will be, it will be kind of like a food stuff YouTube channel with, I don't know, we're still working out the ins and outs of it yet, but it's kind of take on slutty food, um, recipes, longer form, like 20 minute content with kind of a variety or kind of a roster of chefs who we think are like kind of good on camera. Obviously we like Jack will appear occasionally because um, here he is so we can kind of get an audience that way. Um, but obviously he won't be the, the main anchor of it. We kind of will be getting other kind of chefs to kind of give a, give their take on like dishes. Um, and I think if we do this kind of longer form of content, it kind of feeds everything else as well. Yeah. So it feeds the Instagram, it feeds kind of, it, your, your, it feeds the website, like it kind of just develops everything. So it's a kind of content is the, the kind of way that we're, the way that we're going to heading and then obviously we're still going to we're going to do these pop-ups we'd like to do these to bring food stops to life it's a really nice thing to do um is do these kind of like mini events um we've kind of learned that our strengths to lie not really in in running a restaurant um so yeah i'm not sure maybe a bit further down the line we might look into i don't know we'll see we'll see what kind of happens but we're not actively like raising money to mm. to try and open a restaurant in central London. We're kind of going to keep on developing our kind of brand food slot and then see kind of what happens <laughs> essentially. Yeah. That's what we've been doing so far. And uh, it's kind of working. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause you know, you say, I think, you know, if, if a restaurant does get open, then people may love it, but they'll probably only go once every, you know, couple of months. Um, to it whereas if it is a pop-up you know they're going to be interested in watching uh, and sort of being involved in the content and things like that so then when there is a pop-up there'll be like people will want to go yeah. because they've not had the opportunity to go for you know six months or something like that um, and I think especially with you know what's happening at the minute I think pop-ups probably are going to be the way forward for a lot of a lot of places aren't they I think they're, they're so great know, and yeah. fun and you've got sort of a lot more free range with with what to do with them, haven't you? Well, yeah, completely. And there are there realistically there are lots of these venues which are going to be sitting empty, um, doing literally doing nothing. So that's what's a, quite an interesting process for us is that we can kind of go in, do our thing for a bit. Hopefully, everyone has a good experience, and then we could maybe go back again in a few months with a different kind of twist on it, with a different mm. chef or whatever it gives you much more flexibility and, and much less kind of risk um for us and we managed to kind of keep things fresh realistically like who is kind of involved in foods like now is none of us are good at won't be good we would have to partner with a kind of restaurant partner because 
like I can't imagine I'm not going to be very good at doing like a chest rotor or like because I don't know what I'm doing um so if we can get the if we can kind of develop those partnerships and develop things with like some cool brands like I'd like like we did a little thing with Marmite which is lots of fun um so yeah basically just kind of just bring I guess what this is is kind of bring something so people can kind of have fun and entertain themselves because essentially what we're kind of trying to bring is entertainment through cooking um, yeah. uh, either live through the medium of kind of content or 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 the little pop-up yeah because um, food I guess is fun at the end of the day um. well that's that's exactly why I you know I started doing this podcast because it is fun and like it, it's so interesting to hear what food means to different people um and yeah food food is entertainment and yeah food is fun isn't it to be honest that's yeah, yeah. that's a great <laughs> quote i'm gonna put that in in the trailer to this um so you've if you christmas we do are you doing a a, a sort of pop-up then again or, or what's happening over christmas for you guys yeah so we're doing um for like one weekend we're back at provisioners um with a kind of a special christmas menu um so we've kind of got it's our own take on a food set take on like your traditional christmas roasts where kind of instead of roast turkey we're doing a chicken cordon bleu um with <laughs> so it was going to be a turkey a tur it was meant to be a turkey one but it was too difficult to get the turkey breast uh, so it's a chicken cordon bleu with like cranberry um and then we kind of have the roast potatoes, the maple spirit sprouts with bacon, um, covered in gravy and like like red cabbage, Jack Daniels red cabbage. So it's all it look it's like I tried it all for the for the final kind of tasting was yesterday. We're just kind of pushing it a bit, considering we're <laughs> we're now on like Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got that, and then we got some little kind of little starters so we've kind of got some cauliflower bites um with a truffled cauliflower sauce we've got these prawns on toast which is kind of prawn toast with a prawn cocktail garnish um <laughs> which this is very very good um so a friend of ours is actually in the kitchen who who is also a manchester person who is a professional chef now nick um so he's kind of going there come and kind of develop this kind of menu with their chefs um, and and yeah so it's a kind of it's a set menu so it's a bit different to last time but we thought that would kind of be with the lack of time that we had mm. that was the way the kind of we thought would be easiest this kind of thing mm. um so yeah so that's 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 the launch this week so it's been a bit stressful because ev everything's literally the turnover this has been like mad um having to come up with a dish market it get all the kind of content out in like three well and literally it's been a week is like we not enough time at all but hopefully we kind of get there in the end um the food is actually really really good <laughs> so like what um what day does what dates are they uh is this starting it, it's friday so the i think what state today it's it's the what state today it's the, it's the eighth today eighth, ninth tenth, eleventh i think it's the eleventh is it starts 11th mm -hmm. to the 13th so it's 11th friday and saturday night for dinner and then sunday br sunday brunch great so it's, it's just a short a short thing in and out so that's this, um, this weekend we, isn't it this this weekend so we thought we were going to do it 
uh, we were like, we were talk, like, I mean, ahhing over doing it the following weekend to have a bit more time. But I guess we thought people would be uh, with COVID and everything. It's like I think people are going to be slightly more careful um, as they should be um, as you get closer towards Christmas, mm. and that I think people will be more inclined to be eating out this weekend than they would be next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's that two week period, isn't it? So if, if they do go out this weekend, they, at least they can, you know, stay indoors for the next 14 days or yeah. whatever it is. So yeah. um, the, the people can still book on, book on, can they at the moment? Yeah, people can still book on uh, through the Foodslut website uh, or just their emailing, emailing provisioners, um, which is like reservations at provisioners.co.uk. Um, so yeah come down <laughs> if this goes out before then it is yes i'm, uh, I'm gonna i'm gonna edit this now and i'm gonna get it out sort of i'm gonna hope to get it out tomorrow um so we'll, okay. we'll get oh, it wow. out straight away we'll, uh, we'll wash it out <laughs> um so that's sort of all the questions i really wanted to ask but i always finish um with a question that i think is quite important and it's, uh, imagine, you know, you're uh, on death row uh, in America yeah. and you get told that you can have your final three course meal and a drink. Um, so you can have an alcoholic drink, you can have whatever you like. Um, it could be a mix match from different restaurants or things that you've cooked. Uh, what would you like for your starter main and dessert? Well, that's a tough question. I think probably for a starter, I'd start it with some probably go with some toro <laughs> um some fatty tuna just because it is with on like a nigiri um that i think that would be a quite a love a nice start to kind of kick things off and then you'd have your palate cleanser uh the, the pickled ginger so you, the next thing you can you can doesn't really matter what you have <laughs> um and i think to honest, i think that haggis sandwich has would have to be up there from dini's as nice. like as as one of the last things because it is just so good and just so indulgent and your arteries are just not going to care about it once you've been either injected or uh, <laughs> or fried <laughs> or maybe the, the, the yeah your heart clogging up the electronic flows uh, <laughs> uh, and then dessert dessert I'd probably do you know what this is like a I'd probably go for sticky toffee pudding. Um, because you just, I just don't think you can beat it really. No, it, like it's just it's so good. Like I've tried, I've tried to have like desserts, but you're always just drawn back. If I see it, if I see it on a dessert menu, you just can't not get it. <laughs> With uh, ice cream or custard? I think I'd probably go. I think I'd probably go ice cream, but I don't know. Like I think I'd probably go ice cream, but I, depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like a vanilla ice cream, just because you have the hot cold thing. Yeah, yeah, nice. And to and drink, I think I'd put. I would go. I'll go Forest Road Work IPA. Nice, <laughs> just for the memories. <laughs> just for the memories. <laughs> Perfect. So that sound. Yeah, sounds a nice, a nice menu there. So Toro was that. Toro. Yeah. Toro. Yeah. Toro. Toro with uh, uh, Toro Nigiri, to Toro Nigiri with yeah, and then we're going for a haggis sandwich. Palate, palate cleanser, yeah, and the haggis sandwich. 
uh, and then sticky toffee pudding with ice cream and a forest road yeah. work for a drink. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any water, yeah. would you have still or sparkling? I would. Oh, I think if it was my last meal, I'd probably go still. <laughs> I only really drink sparkling occasionally, but I don't actually find it that refreshing. <laughs> Look, that's everything. Uh, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, best of luck with, with Food Slut and everything like that. And I, I can't wait to see uh, what the future holds for it. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for having me. <laughs>